we'll talk about logistics real estate, specifically on the green features of modern warehouses, the challenges of aging warehouse stock, and why sustainability features should be a key consideration. Welcome to the third episode of JLL's Future of Logistics podcast series, where we discuss the pursuit of net zero carbon emissions with leading logistics experts. I am Michael Ignatiaris, and I lead the supply chain consultancy practice for JLL Asia Pacific. Joining me today to offer us an occupier's perspective is Rex Macaskill, CEO of leading beverage company Poca, which operates a combined storage space of over 400,000 square feet in Singapore. Welcome, Rex. Thank you for the invitation, Michael. Um, just to add on, the 400,000 square feet is in Singapore, but we operate in Malaysia as well with another 400,000 square feet. So okay. we have a quite sizable operation from a warehousing perspective. Okay, so uh, tell us a bit about Polka for those who... Yes, um, I mean, I think Singapore knows Polka very well, especially the Jasmine Green Tea. That's our core brand and quite a leading brand. But I think not many people realize that Polka is actually a Japanese company. Okay. And our holding company is Sapporo, the beer. And it's something that me as a, as a new CEO to Poka is going to focus on in the future is to bring back the Japanese concept back to Poka um, in Singapore. Okay. Yes, we make today ready-to-drink tea and coffees as our core product focus. But with the topic of sustainability, um, as well as after COVID, there's a big focus on health and wellness. So part of our long-term strategy is to actually um, develop more health and wellness products as well adjacent to our core products of tea and coffee. We are small, um, not like our competitors, which are quite large. So we need to use our agility to compete. And from that perspective, product development is one of our core strengths. Okay, so sustainability from the, I guess, from the consumer health perspective. Yeah, yeah. So ESG is more from a company, what it does to the uh, to the environment or to its own employees. So how about that part, the, the, uh, the impact of Poka to you know to to the environment. Does Poka have a specific strategy in place? I would say in the past, Poka didn't have much of a strategy in place. I joined in 2018 um, after some change of management uh, within Poka, and one of our core focuses was to focus on sustainability. And so in Poka, what we started from a sustainability perspective is firstly from procurement. I mean, how can we procure um, more from a resources which is um, properly um, maintained, uh, making sure there's no like no child labor. Um, if, for example, the tea has been well, um, said the farming is done properly. So that's very important for us as a starting point. Before I became a CEO, I was head of supply chain. And one thing that we also noticed that the warehouse we had, um, very old mm. and very inefficient. And, and is that something that it's kind of across the industry that the there's a warehouse stock is not the most modern or maybe it's not a high priority for, for companies to look into that? I think it depends on the business model of companies. Um, many of companies today believe more in outsourcing. Now, what, what makes Poker different is we do our own warehousing and our own logistics. Mm -hmm. If you look at other CPG companies like Unilever or P&G, they pretty much outsource everything to 3PLs. Right. So they more care that the 3PL need to be sustainable. Mm. within that part, right? But as we do it in-house, we need to care about it ourselves. We did look at the option of do we outsource everything or do we keep it in-house? And we made a decision to keep it in-house because that's one of our core competencies today is our delivery. We have a very good reach in the whole general trade market and one of the strongest in Singapore. And this also helped us to be distributed for big brands like Red Bull, Evian, 
uh, Pepsi um, in combination with our products because of our reach is quite, quite good. Okay, so supply chain is a, is a, is a growth enabler, is a key company, it's, it's not just a cost center for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So in this respect, we, you know, we basically had a joint venture with a logistics company at that time, and it's like a family business. And the way they manage, obviously, family business is um, not really the most sustainable way. Mm. So one of the first things we did is let's buy them over and bring it 100% into POCA. And then we start taking next steps in terms of moving from diesel MACs to um, LPG, from LPG move to electric today. Mm -hmm. And also looking at how do we improve efficiency in operation to reduce the number of MACs. And that is a kind of part of the fleet will be electric. Yeah, so today the MACs are, I think, 100% electric today. Okay, and that's uh, the forklifts? Forklift, okay. yeah. So it's within the warehouse space? Yes, within, yeah. the where, within the warehouse space. Now, we are thinking about the trucks, how to have EV trucks, but today the Singapore infrastructure is not ready yet. Um, the number of um, charging points, I think there's some, but not nearly to the point where you can safely say, if I run out of power, I can go there and you know plug myself in and, and I'm all good to go. Okay. So these are things we're just waiting for the infrastructure to be, to be ready, and then we will start look at the conversion. Um, as you're aware, the warehouse we had, as I said, is very old, very poor, very inefficient. How big was that warehouse? Um, I mean, the land space is about, I think about 200, 250,000 square feet. But we can rebuild it into five-story warehouses, so around 669,000 square feet. It's okay. a five-story. We see, I mean, we see them in <clears throat> Korea, Japan, Hong Kong, Singapore. But yeah, uh, we kind of get, we've, we've been used to them, right? But it's not that um, common elsewhere. No, it's not common at all. Um, even in Malaysia, it's not. Uh, but it's starting. I mean, CJ Logistics is one of our three pill providers. I think they're one of the first um, warehouse, oh, three pill providers that has built a three-story warehouse um, in KL. Hmm. Um, so which is quite interesting. So there might be a move towards that in Malaysia as well. But back to the Singapore. So this five-story building, uh, whereas we built this, really going to be um, how we can be more efficient, more sustainable, and not just from operation perspective, but from the building as well. Hmm. Right from the drawing board, where we discussed with um, ESR and, uh, and a construction company called Precise, how should the design look like? Uh, so we have the land, and from that perspective, you know, which side should the ramp be, um, left side or right side, et cetera. So we looked at, with, for example, where does the sun come up and down? Right. And we realized, okay, the sun comes up on the right-hand side. So if we put the ramp on the right-hand side, the ramp will absorb all the heat. Mm -hmm. So the heat won't really go into the warehouse mm -hmm. per se. So from that perspective, you create a natural cooling effect versus if the ramps on the left, yet the sun directly on the warehouse, that will create an increase in heat. So these are the things we looked at in terms of design, as well as making sure there's enough um, natural airflow, mm -hmm. um, how to design accordingly, um, enough natural light. And we design it in such a way so that in future we can you know, install less lights, install less fans um, to create airflow. Because once mm -hmm. you install all these things, it's power, power means carbon footprint, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're trying to, from the initial design phase, and to look at all these things. Okay, so so there's there's ways to actually drive uh, a reduction in carbon footprint, and you're 
CO2 emissions just by doing small tweaks. Yeah, definitely. In the design. Quite right? a bit, yeah. Yeah, and also looking at how we can uh, capture like rainwater and reuse it again. Um, we are focusing on how to build like a, almost like I say, solar um, power station on roof um, that should generate almost enough power for the whole building. I assume you will have some kind of temperature control or, or, or there's no need for temperature um, control for POCA? Predominantly of our products are ambient, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do have some products which will be in aircon and chill. And for that, we will have to install the, the proper equipment for that. Mm-hmm. It's more for our raw materials. Okay. Uh, for example, you know, in the market, you'll see that we have, let's say, carrot juice. Now, what POCA does is we actually buy real carrots. Even, for example, the tea we make, the, as we make from real tea leaves. We actually buy tea leaves. We actually brew it like you do at home and extract it and then make tea. Okay. So there's no instant powder or even the coffee. It's from real coffee beans, etc. So these things we need to cater for in our warehousing. So make mm. sure we have... For those typical products have aircon or really freezer rooms and these things to cater for that kind of raw materials, okay. which are temperature sensitive. So you mentioned ESR, I mean, most of their facilities are quite modern and, and, and high end. So do you think it's, it's, it's going to be mostly these type of companies who, I mean, not necessarily Japanese, but uh, where are going to be pushing for an agenda where uh, they're, um, they're going to spend and invest in the modern facilities which are more ESG friendly? During the process of deciding which developer we should work with, I have to admit ESR was probably one of the ones that was most focused on sustainability building because our corporate office will move inside there as well. I see. Okay. So from that perspective, even how we will lay out the office, mm. just what type of lighting to use, a combination of fan versus aircon to minimize the aircon consumption. I see. Um, all these things, we're working very close with ESR and, and ID so that we can also design an office which are very environmental friendly. Mm. And um, how about net zero carbon? Um, again, it, it's a, you know, a buzzword since COP26 especially. Yeah. Uh, we hear that everybody has their commitments. And I mean, how, how's that for POCA? Do you have your own commitment? Uh, what are the kind of challenges to meet that commitment? Um, that's, so, so for the building, the interesting part is we work with ESR is we looked at how we can reduce the carbon footprint from the design and construction part. Right. So for example, in the design phase, okay, really the procurement side, let's buy concrete, which are low carbon. And that we can save about 25,000 metric ton. Of carbon. How do you make low carbon concrete? So we have to work with the concrete supplier, that means cement uh, supplier, and they're the ones we then focus on and to how, how to develop it. So they have their own ways of developing low carbon okay. concrete. But there must be a, a cost, right? Everybody focus on this low carbon, but low carbon is actually very expensive. Mm. And that is a big challenge. Yeah. So for me, the, the big challenge I see going forward is how can suppliers actually develop low carbon products from the start? So the starting point from the value chain need to be low carbon. And if it's expected that a person like me is building a warehouse, need to all of a sudden develop a low carbon building, but yet the supply right. side not is not there. Mm. It's not going to work, yeah. right? And that's the I would say the fo- the problem today. The mm. focus is more on the consumer to be low carbon, but not the starting point of the value chain. Yeah, they should become low carbon because then along the yeah. value chain, and things will become more low carbon, right? And that's the I guess the biggest impact in the buildings probably the embedded carbon. Yeah, definitely within, within that building. The other thing that we also are doing right now. Uh, so instead of using diesel-powered 
um, engines to supply electricity, we use battery power. So that will also save around 1,000 tons of um, carbon uh, throughout this project. For any kind of company to, you know, to want to invest in those extra features, which adds costs to everything, what is the incentive to do that? I think for POCA and ESR's incentive in doing this is to show the social responsibility part of it. I mean, POCA is a leading brand in Singapore. And we might not be the biggest company, but in terms of the brand perspective, we are a, a leader. So I think we also need to, we have the responsibility to, to show that we, we care. Mm. So these are the things we try and do. And obviously we need to absorb some of the additional cost. And do you see that, I mean, this facility essentially, would you call it future-proof facility? You think in 10 years time or 15 years time, this facility will be sufficient and can accommodate all the future ESG requirements? Oh, definitely. In Singapore, there's a, called a platinum green building, um, like certificate. So we're going for the highest level we can get right. um, to comply to that. And that's one. Um, we also make sure the building will have expansion for EV vehicles for the charging points. Right. And as I mentioned, with a solar power plant we want to install with all the solar panels, we want to make sure that the building itself can generate its own power to supply most of its own usage. Okay. Um, okay. So we basically extrapolated our consumption because we will use probably like three to four levels of the building, mm -hmm. but we take that volume and we said, okay, if we expand to five full, what amount of power do we require? And basically, can the solar panels accommodate for that? Okay. So these are things we we try to you know as you call it future proof that we can be sustainable from that perspective. And just coming back to, to my question around net zero carbon, yeah, JLL has their net zero carbon uh, commitments and. I mean, most of the big MNCs will have one. Uh, what is Poker? So Sapporo Holdings, they're being a beer company and quite international player. So they have a very strong sustainability program at the moment. Mm -hmm. And it's a big focus on um, net zero carbon by 2050. When I joined, we didn't have much of a sustainability program. So we're right now busy aligning ourselves with um, Sapporo Holdings. From a carbon footprint perspective, we're recording and we've been improving quite a bit over time because we've always been requested by Japan um, you know, show improvements, which we have been doing so. And also, I mean, recently we invested in a new production line. So part of our decision making is to understand, you know, what is a carbon production we can have with the production line? Is it more, do we use less utilities, less um, electricity to use for power? All the kind of things we are working on to make sure we can re reduce the carbon footprint as well. So there's a top-down kind of, you know, uh, guideline, I guess, around that. Yeah. Do you see a bottom-up from the consumer point uh, perspective as well, as well? So if the consumer goes to the supermarket and sees two POCA cans, one is from a supply chain that's been net zero carbon or carbon neutral versus another one maybe a bit cheaper that is from your standard supply chain, do you think the consumer will make that choice? That's a very good question, and I'm sure... When I answer the following, there'll be a lot of debate on what I say. Personally today, I think, no. It's still a very price-driven market. Mm. And that's our biggest concern. I mean, not just from a carbon footprint perspective, but plastic, right? I mean, today, if we, our PET bottles, we call it virgin plastic, meaning it's you know, from a resin, from oil, resin, and we make into a PET bottle. Right. In Europe, there's more where they use recycled PET bottles, resin, into a PET bottle. Mm. And some are 7% up to 100% recycled. If you notice here in Southeast Asia, 
that is not much here yet. Mm. And the big companies like Danone, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, they're not doing it here yet. Why? Because the cost of that PET bottle increases significantly if you use recycled resin. Right. And the consumer here is not willing to pay for that incremental cost. Because if they were, those big MNCs would have really changed. Mm. So long story short, I think today the consumer is not willing yet to pay for a highly sustainable packaging material. Right. But it will take time. I think it's more like maybe a maturity level as well, understanding the impact. Is it also about the supplies or maybe we have less local manuf- re- uh, recycling facilities doing PET plastic or is there more cheaper supply in Europe versus Asia? I think the overall system in terms of recycling is more mature in Europe mm. than it is here. Um, I'm not sure if you were but NEA's new initiative in Singapore that is called Extended Producer Responsibility mm-hmm. um, or Deposit Refund Scheme System. What it means is a producer like Poca will, will be responsible to collect back its own packaging from the market. It's very challenging Challenge, because yeah. it's very new for Singapore. So mm. the beverage market right now is actually working together in a consortium as, as how to make this work. And maybe once these things take effect and the level of maturity of that process improves, that means the recycling can start taking place and maybe there can be more cost-effective recycled material be available that we can reuse into the PET. Okay. But that will take time. But coming back to the real estate, so the real estate is a bit more straightforward, right? So if you want a, a facility that can take those marks, whether it's a lead platinum facility or... Yep. or uh, green mark facility, uh, there's specific specifications. Yes, yes. Uh, do you feel those specifications are are very hard to meet f- uh, for a new facility? I think the latest one has become very hard to meet. Okay. Uh, I think there's an update that has come out, I think, last year or this year, I can't remember the, right. the timeline. Uh, so when I spoke to the developers and the um, construction guys, they say it's quite hard to meet cost-effectively. So obviously, if you want to spend more money, it can be met. So I think that's also another debate in the market is how much money do you want to spend to achieve such um, certification? Because what you have to do at the end of the day is wherever you lease that space for, you have to charge that lease space, uh, that that specifications into the lease to the consumer. If you are, for example, if Pocket use another building, and are we willing to pay for that? Mm. Because at the end of the day, it's not our building. Um, yeah. We didn't even occupy it. It's just really third party. And I think that's where the challenge as well come. Are, is there a willingness to pay from a consumer in terms of a brand owner like ourselves, a manufacturer, yeah. and the consumer in terms of like yourself, are you willing to pay for that additional cost to become more green? I guess what you're saying is that if you own the building, it's easier to make the business case of, yes, we need to uh, make that investment. Yeah. But if you're going to lease a warehouse in Thailand, it's it, it's harder, let's say, to make the case to spend more, or if you have two options and there's a big gap on cost. Yes. So, do you think that will change? I mean, do, are we do we need to wait for the consumer? Are we waiting for the consumer to really to make us into drive a change, or is it another way? There's definitely other areas you focus on reducing carbon where the consumer will care, and that's from how you procure your raw materials. Mm. Is it sustainable? Um, to add on to that part, I don't know if you heard of a, uh, a software called Terrascope. Mm-hmm. They measure your carbon footprint end to end. 
So we have invested in a software, and what a software do is, tr is tracking everything, your manufacturing, your trucks, your procurement, and tell you, if you buy, for example, from this supplier, um, let's say condensed milk, um, let's say in New Zealand, and you buy from a supplier, let's say in Indonesia, condensed milk, it might be the same product, mm. but based on historical data, the carbon footprint from New Zealand might be much better than the one in Indonesia. And that will help us to make decisions how to procure products with lower carbon footprint. And, and how do you see the whole industry moving towards that goal? Do you see, is there any kind of alliances there? There's a lot of kind of momentum already? Oh, definitely. Um, as you mentioned, the, uh, the COP26, 20, was it 26? 26, 26, 26, yeah. I mean, I think that really set the agenda, right? We have to focus on, the, on the, these things especially with um, global warming and everything. So everybody is definitely aligned. And the bigger MNC surely is already focusing on it even before we are being focusing on it. I think it's more the small and medium companies like us um, that need to start focus on it more. Right. Um, and that's something what we're doing. So we want to make sure that we are responsible and we show responsibility and also how we can improve. And is it easier to do this in some markets versus other markets more difficult? invest in the real estate or that's mm. uh, kind of a green, green, green real estate. Do you think in some markets like Japan, maybe it's easier because it's, it's more the status quo there? So that's, I think, where the maturity of the country comes in terms of their concern about these things will determine, you know, how much they want to focus on the sustainability efforts. I mean, the pressure will be there for every country globally, especially the fast growing emerging countries like Vietnam and all, all to start move towards being more sustainable, for sure. To go through this, let's say, decarbonization journey, organizationally, in, in the past, you know, sustainability and uh, sometimes it was under the corporate social responsibility team or a team that just basically writes up your sustainability report. And now things are slowly changing. I'm, I'm not sure for POCA how it works, but do you think organizationally things will change as well? Oh, definitely. But the change normally comes from maybe a push from the government or some legislation. For example, in Singapore, every public listed company, I think in Singapore, Malaysia, Vietnam, it's um, by law, every public listed company need to report something on sustainability. But you're right, back in the day, it's, and even today, it's more that your um, corporate, social, corporate social responsibility teams that focus on these things, but um, that's not really so much focus on sustainability itself, right? So. Even for POCA, we are now moving towards having a sustainability department mm -hmm. in POCA to help develop um, a strong sustainability program um, from end to end from POCA perspective, and which is not just focused on a carbon footprint per se, but that's obviously one very important topic for us, and therefore we invested in software, but and everything else, right? I mean, how you procure as a supplier, you know, is he a proper supplier to work with? to visit the suppliers, because that's very important. So we're really going to focus on all these things, because sustainability, um, which is ESG, yeah, it's environmental, but the social part, that also means people. Yeah. Um, and also internally, right? Do you provide proper education to people? Um, are you focusing on inclusivity? Are you helping that um, the females, um, women can actually also grow and have senior positions? Yeah. All those things for me is important as well. Yeah, it's, it's all under that. Uh, I guess final question. Um, so if, if you were to build a new facility, what would you do different? 
So I think what I'll do different next time is spend more time on preparation mm -hmm. and to really understand, you know, what you really need, not just for today, but also five and 10 years from now and bring in more topics, as you mentioned, sustainability into the discussions mm. because so much of the discussions always operationally, operationally, operationally. And sometimes if you just think about operationally all the time, you miss out a lot of key factors like efficiency, being more sustainable. And that's a part today that I think we maybe could have done a better job in the beginning because now we start making a lot of changes and change requests and they're obviously not, not the best because that means you have to work with a construction company and make this change, make that change. So that's, I would say, for me as a learning, is spend more time in preparation. And if you're not very sure how to be sustainable yourself, get a consultant in to work with you and help you with a design from that perspective, yeah. Okay, and when is it due to uh, complete the facility? It should be quarter one, 2024. Okay, so looking forward for an invite uh, for a tour sure. of the facility. Definitely. Perfect, thank you, Rex, thank you for your time. No, no, thanks for the invitation, it was a great session, thanks so much. You have been listening to the Future of Logistics podcast by JLL, and I'm Michael Dignatiadis. Don't miss our final episode, where we'll be discussing the importance of sustainability certifications in the logistics real estate. Thanks for listening.